Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. This morning I'm going to invite you to go to the Gospel of John chapter 17. And if you remember, we're in a series on holiness. And, you know, it's something that uh, we have to be reminded of, especially in the day that we're living in. We have to make sure that we live according to the Word of God so that we can have all that God has promised us. Hallelujah. And we can be pleasing to the Father. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want my life to please Him. And in areas that's not pleasing Him, then uh, let me know, Lord. And He has before. Hallelujah. And uh, you just change, right? Uh, You know, either God's wrong or you are, so... I'll let you figure out which one that might be. Praise the Lord. And I hope you get that one right, by the way. You know, it's like one minister said, he, he told one of his younger ministers, older minister, he said, the greatest thing I ever learned in my life is that God is smarter than me. Hallelujah. And, and we think we know that, but sometimes I don't know that we always act like we, we really know it. Amen. So we've been talking about holiness, and I think, if I'm right, I think this is our third teaching on it. This morning, we're going to kind of focus on this this morning about the spirit of the world and not letting the spirit of the world get off on you. Now, Jesus prayed for us in John 17. Matter of fact, let's read verse 20 first, and then we're going to back up and look at some other verses. Verse 20, Jesus said, you know, He's praying for His disciples. We call this His high priestly prayer. He's praying for his disciples, but then he says in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, I'm not just praying for my disciples, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. So how many know he's praying for you? I said he's praying for you. You believed on him through the word of the disciples, either directly or indirectly. But it all came down through them. And so he's praying for you. And I want you to notice, uh, you know, we're not going to read the whole prayer but we're going to just read the part that's pertinent to what we're talking about this morning. I want you to notice verse 14, if you've if you got your Bible with you. He said, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them. You know, don't be surprised that the world hates you if you've got the word of God in your life operating. Now, that doesn't mean everybody in the world is going to hate you. But what he's talking about is that world system, it's going to hate you. Because God's word's contrary to the world system in all areas, by the way. Right? You know, we think about morality. Of course, God's word and, you know, the world's morality has gone to pot. Or worse than that. But God, God, God's word, of course, rebukes that. But, you know, a lot of things that we think are normal, the word of God rebukes it. Things we think about finances that the world teaches us, the word of God rebukes that. Amen. You know, I thought about the time that we needed money in the church, like we were $15,000 behind, which, you know, that was a few years ago. Uh, it still is quite a bit, but it was even more at the time. And, and the Lord, I mean, the Lord spoke to me just not, you know, by the Spirit of God, and He said, I want you to give some money away. Now, that's not the advice the world's going to give you. But it got us out of that debt supernaturally, miraculously, within about two weeks. If I remember the time frame, in about two weeks, we got two checks that paid the whole thing off. And the Lord said, now, because I remember when I, I've told you the story before, but praying about it and the Lord, uh, you know, I was really upset over it because, you know, I was mad at the devil for, you know, the financial problems that we were having. And the Lord said, I want you, he said, you're going to preach at this church next Sunday morning. You won't be at your church. He said, I want you to give them $1,100 and take it out of the general fund, which was the fund that was $15,000 behind. Now, that's not, world, that's not worldly advice, but that's, that was what God said to do. So I didn't ask anybody. I just did it. I'm still pastor. I just did it. You know, I mean, we got a board and all and so forth, but I, I didn't even run by them. I just did it. God said, do it, do it. <laughs> you know, so I did it. And in two weeks' time, we were out of that debt. And that had been strangling around our, our necks for, for a few months, and we were out of debt. That felt so good. Amen. 
And, you know, I didn't blow a trumpet and say, hey, da-da-da-da. I didn't tell anybody except Miss Phyllis that was it. I just put it in the offering when they, when they took up the offering at that church. I just put it in there. I didn't announce it. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to blow your horn about it. How many know that? Just do what God said do. Amen. He, he sees every seed we sow. Hallelujah. And, so you, and he doesn't forget it. Exactly right, Pastor. He doesn't forget it. He remembers it. And that was just, you know, this isn't like playing the lottery. This is called obeying God. This is called planting a seed and getting a harvest. That's in the Bible. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Paul said, if you sow abundantly, bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you, if you sow sporadically or sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. That's the Bible. Amen. And so, so that's, that's not advice the world's going to give you. But it happens to be in line with God's Word. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, and the world's got all kinds of advices about how to be healthy, but the Bible has better advice. Godliness is profitable in all things. Not only of the life to come, but of the life which is now. Amen. And so, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, you don't, I'm not knocking everything that the advice the world gives, but I always question everything the world's advice. I never take it as final authority. I run it by God's Word. You see what I'm saying? See, everything, you know, there, there may be advice, in, like, you know, there may be advice in the world how to stay healthy, but I run it by the Word, because here's what I found about staying healthy. You can eat the right things, whatever that might be. I know it's not Twinkies and Dr. Pepper. I do have that much sense. But you can eat what the world calls the right things. You can exercise the way the world calls the right way. And you can still die of a disease. But one thing I know about God is if you keep His Word, there's protection. And He'll bail you out and help you. What I wanted to say was this. One of the things that I found out, that, that really wasn't what I wanted to say. Here's what I wanted to say. One of the things that I found out that is more detrimental to your health than eating the wrong things, and I'm not giving permission to go out and eat the wrong things, but one of the things that I found out that's detrimental to your health more than eating the wrong things is strife and unforgiveness. Right. It'll kill you quicker than Twinkies will. So go ahead, have a Twinkie, my friend. <laughs> Just don't get strife about it. No, I mean, no, some of that, there's, there's just some common wisdom in some of the things, right? You know what I'm saying. We're not making light of that. But I run everything the world says by the Word. I don't just take their, their word for it because the Bible says God's made the, the wisdom of this world foolishness in 1 Corinthians 1.20. So I'm going to find out what God said about it. And I found out walking in love will keep you healthier than anything. Anything. And yet sometimes, you know, I was watching, we had this satellite thing one time, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just making an observation, and it was a satellite, and all it had on was Christian programming. Maybe, I don't know if that thing is still around or not. You used to have it too. And all you got was Christian programming. So one day I'm trying to watch something, and every program I'm watching is about what we eat. And I'm thinking, now wait a minute, now I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but I'm just saying, where, is the, where are the programs on 1 Peter 2.24 by His stripes, we are healed. That is divine law. That's higher than any natural law. Right? Now, you can be foolish and do things that, you know, are contrary to just natural law says don't do, and you could hurt yourself even though you got spiritual promises. So I'm not knocking that, but I'm saying that this comes first. This is first. Make sure I'm doing this first, and if I need to adjust, adjust anything down here, then I'll adjust that if I need to. Amen. Uh, you know, you, you know what I'm saying because I've seen people. I've heard of people you know they got sugar diabetes or they got high blood pressure or something like. And this isn't. I don't know. I feel like I'm teaching a gym class or something today. This, this, you know, they they get they uh, maybe this is helping somebody. I don't know, uh, but they get those diagnoses and then they go lose weight and it's gone. What did that tell you? They didn't need healing. They just needed to adjust their lifestyle. See, you see what I'm saying? But yet you don't have to get in such bondage that, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're in bondage and you can't, 
you're afraid to even walk by a slice of apple pie. If you, if you live right by this and you, and you just do things right in the natural, I, don't, I think you can eat a piece of apple pie every now and then. Well, at least I do, and I'm still alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, all right, did you get anything out of that? That was like a mini sermon. Amen. But look, look what Jesus said. He's praying for us. Verse 14, he said, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them. Actually, we already read that. See, So, so, so don't be surprised that when you live by the word that the world hates you. Jesus said they would because of, it's because of the word. And because they are not of this world, verse 14, even as I'm not of this world, I pray that you should, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. See, he's not, he's not praying for God to rapture us out. Thank God for the rapture of the church. But he said, I'm not praying for you to take them out. I'm praying for you. You could say it this way. I'm praying for you. I don't, I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. I'm praying for you to keep the world out of them. That's what he's saying. Well, how's he going to do that? Well, read on. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How many know his word is what's going to keep the world out of us? By reading his word and living by his word. Verse 18, as, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So, see, the Lord left us here to go into the world. Not to be part of the world, but to go into the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If any man follows me, he'll have the light of life and he won't walk in darkness. What does this mean? Well, you see, God left us here. And we're supposed to put His Word in our lives, in our heart, and go into the world and take it. Amen. Does that mean everybody's going to love you? No, no, not everybody's going to love you. Some people are going to hate you, but some people are going to follow the light. Amen. And so they'll come to the light. So that's why God, you know, other than that, why didn't God just take us when we got saved? Why didn't He just, when we got saved, just rapture us out? And... <laughs> voted for that, but he didn't do it. <laughs> you know, why? Because he loves other people. You know, the Bible says, now listen, now we're talking about not being worldly. Jesus is actually praying this. This is what he's praying for his church not to be worldly. While he was on the earth, he prayed that the church would not be worldly. He did. That's what he's praying. But he didn't pray that the church wouldn't be in the world. He just prayed they wouldn't be of the world. In other words, He wants us to go into the world with light. How else are they going to get light? That's how I got light. Somebody brought it to me. Amen. And you know, you can... Let me say this to you. Don't just preach with your words. Preach with your life. One of the worst things is somebody who preaches with their words and their life is contrary to that. Preach with your life. Amen. You know, I, I see even people that are doing things that we don't like and we, we know are an abomination to God, we should still walk in love with them and treat them kindly. I've seen churches... I've seen this Christians carrying flags or banners that say God hates you. He doesn't hate anybody except the devil. Are you with me now? And we're, and we're supposed to... Now, see, the thing of it is, is we've got to draw the line between love and acceptance. Love doesn't mean I accept everything. <laughs> it doesn't mean I agree with everything you're doing. Every parent should know that. You love your kids, but you certainly don't agree with everything they do unless they're just exceptional kids like Shelby was. Can I get an amen from the Baron section or something? Was that Shelby or was that Tyler? <laughs> no. Help me understand that raising kids... Uh, you know, the Bible says, about, it says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and correction's got to take it out of there. Amen. 
And um, some of us, it took a lot. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know, I got into drugs heavily, but I think back, I thought, oh, man, I, I, was, I was, had leanings towards that when I was four years old. I went and got this St. Joseph Children's. Remember those little St. Joseph Children's aspirins? They made them to taste good. Man, I had the whole bottle in my back pocket. I was on my tricycle and I was taking off and mom busted me. She pulled me over and booked me for having drugs. It's a good thing she caught me. <laughs> you know, but my point is, is you know, God, God, God got a, he, he left us here to go out into the world to take the world, the, the word, the word to the world. Now that doesn't mean that we're abrasive with it, we're in their face, or we think we have to preach and straighten everybody out. You understand? What it means is that we live the word. Amen. We talk the word. We walk the word. You ask me a question, I respond by the word. You know, I had one particular person. In my neighborhood, it, 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 we, we just finally came to a place we can't talk about politics because we're not, we're not going to remain friends if we do. You know, and finally he said, well, this is the last thing I'm, I'm going to say. And I thought, it better be. <laughs> or I'm going to forget I'm a preacher. But I love the guy. Really, I do. I like the guy very well. We help one another out. But we just learn, we'll just leave that area alone. But now if he asks me a question, I'm coming right in. You open the door, here I am, brother. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? I'm not saying we just run around and every, every time we see some sinner doing something wrong, well, the Word says, no, take your bony finger and stick it in your mouth. Was that nice enough? I don't know, I'm just plain. But anyway. No, see, what it means is we're living epistles of the Word of God. We're living epistles. We live the Word. And yes, if we come in conversation, we'll talk the Word of God. And yes, if you ask me a question, I'm going to respond by the Word of God. But it's not like I'm going around and rebuking everybody that's not living the Word. Is anybody following what I'm saying? I mean, if all I do is be, I'd be rebuking all day long. See, you, then you turn into Holy Ghost Junior like it's your job to convert everybody. Your job, the Bible says, is to be a witness, right? And you're to do it with the love of God. You're to do it with the Word of God when the doors open, and you're to do it with signs and wonders. What does that mean? Well, if they're sick, say, hey, I'll pray for you. Well, if God doesn't heal them, well, if He does, it isn't your job anyway. You're, your job is just to do what God said. Leave the results up to Him. Amen. You know, a lot of people, they, they don't understand that, you know, God, God's, God's really more ready to heal. They don't understand that God heal, will heal sinners. But who do you think Jesus healed when He was on the earth? <laughs> he was going I mean, you know, one of, his, one, of, one of His most prized disciples was Mary Magdalene. And when he met her, he had to cast seven devils out of her. She, hey, she wasn't living, you know, a sanctified life to pick up seven demons. But she became one of his most ardent followers. Amen. Now, Jesus prayed that the church would not be worldly. How many think we ought to agree with his prayer? Look at 2 Corinthians. Look what Paul said, 2 Corinthians. Come on, this morning we're just going to talk about not letting that spirit of the world get on us. Does that mean everything that the world does is wrong? Well, no, not necessarily because let me just explain this to you too because I, I, you know, I, I come back, I go back a ways. And, um, you know, I'm not old yet, but I've been around a little while and um, time's flying fast and so... Every day I'm around a little longer. But, you know, the, 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 the church years ago used to think that worldliness means that, you know, women wore makeup. And if you wore makeup, you were worldly. Or, you know, if your dress wasn't down to your feet, you know, you were worldly, you know. Now, it seemed funny that the guy could do anything he wanted to do. 
You know, he could do anything. But the woman, she had to look like, you know, like a sack of flour or something. A burlap sack. And they call, and they call that worldly if you put on, you know. I mean, you, you may not believe this, but you go back enough years, and if your wife went to the beauty parlor, that's probably an old term, but anyway. It, I mean, you couldn't let the church know about it, or they'd like, you're kidding me. How I many know that part of the world making you look nice is not from the devil? The better you look, the better we like it. All right? Like Brother Hagin said this. I thought, that, I'm not, now listen, ladies, don't take this wrong. Brother Hagin, someone asked him about makeup one time. He said, Well, I think even the old barn looks better with a little paint on it. Now, you may not wear makeup, you may not want to, that's fine, no problem, you know. That's your, that's your call, that's your deal. But my point in saying that is not pro-makeup or anti-makeup. My point in saying that is just to show you that that's an area where that's foolishness. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, the world changes styles all the time, you know what I'm saying? I mean, as long as it's decent, you understand that. You know, you know, I remember the days I was, the, you know, the 60s, 70s guy, and the miniskirts came up. They revealed more than I think God wants a woman showing of her body, or a man for that matter. But, you know, but, you know as long as it's decent, you know, and modest, as Paul said. But, gosh, I don't even know where I was going, but, man, I'm on, I'm on it this morning, clothesline, preaching and everything. But, you know, the, 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 what I was talking about, see, the, they, they labeled that, the old-timers old, old labeled that worldliness. You know, and so not everything that's out in the world, because styles change. Man, I tell you what, suit styles change for guys all the time. I was telling Phyllis this morning, you know, now I understand I don't wear the, always, always wear the right styles, you know, but, you know, now men's suits, you know, they, they, all they want to sell you is the slim fit stuff. I don't fit in slim fit stuff. I want husky, please. And even if I was slim fit, I don't want the slim fit. I want some room. That's me. Remember the, the trend, you know, when kids would wear their pants so baggy and their underwear would show, you know? I really kind of liked that. I didn't like to look at that, but I liked the pants that big. I'll pull them up, put a belt on, not show my underwear, but I like that room in there. You know, it looks like I'm walking down the street with a tin on, you know? It's like, yeah. brother, this feels good, man. I like it. You, you see, styles come, styles go. I was telling Phyllis today, you know, when, when we would go in and get our pants altered, you know, it'd be like, how many folds do you want? One? You know how much, see that fold? You can't see it in the back, but how your pants hit your shoe and it folds a little bit. Or do you want to? I told Phyllis, now they got them up to here now. This is the style. Pull them up where you can see your ankles. Well, I'm not going there. I think it looks like Gomer Pyle to me, but, you know. But it's all done just to sell you some new suits. That's all. That's all. All right. Do you find Second First Corinthians two? First Corinthians. Did I say Second Corinthians? Yeah. That's what you get. Not being in the spirit. First Corinthians chapter two. Go there. Verse twelve. The Bible says. Have you found it now? Let me say that. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So when we got born again, we didn't get the spirit of the world. We, we got the spirit who's of God. Well, now, who is the spirit of the world? What's that? What's the spirit of the world? Well, how you know, the Bible says that Satan's the god of this world. He's the spirit of this world. Amen? And see... He's, he's in control now of what's going on in this world. Do you realize that? People say, well, God is, God is in control. Let me tell you something. Listen, that sounds spiritual. That sounds good. But it's not Bible. The Bible says the God of this world is Satan. Now, there is going to be a day when God's going to be in control. But if God's in control of everything going on this earth, He sure got it messed up. No, He's not. That's just, that, that is false doctrine. It's not Bible. The Bible tells us 
that God, you know, where God is in control is where His Word is accepted. Now people say, well, you mean God couldn't? God could, God could be in control of whatever He wanted to be if He wanted to be. He's God. But He's chosen to give man authority. Amen. And man makes his own choices. You can leave here today. You can sure it filled Holy Ghost tongue talker. You can leave here today and go rob, go rob a filling station if you want to. God's not going to stop you. That's up to you. Amen. So he gave you a free will. So what, what I'm saying is this. The only place that Satan is not in control in this world is where the Word of God is accepted. Think about it. Did you know there are, in our society, we, we, you, know, you know, I know right now that history is trying to be rewritten. Like, we weren't, a, we weren't ever a Christian nation. Come on. How stupid do you think we are? If we weren't ever a Christian nation, why do the old buildings have Scripture on them? Why do you read the things you, you read that our former presidents said? Amen. That's just, that's just nonsense. That's just the devil trying to erase all traces of God. But here's what happens. See, in our society for years and years, even though people may not have been saved, they still accepted portions of the Word of God and lived by them. They did. And God was ruling in those areas because His Word was accepted. But... When we start kicking the Word out and God out, then there's no, there, there, it's not going to be a vacuum. Something's going to fill it, and it's going to be the God of this world. He's going to fill that. And so, <clears throat> you know, for instance, when, when they kicked the Bible out of schools, public schools, and they kicked prayer out of schools, they rejected the Word of God. What happened? Schools started getting worse, didn't it? Right? I mean, in our days, you know, we got, we got in trouble, Mr. Stanley, uh, but for small, petty stuff. You know, like spitballs, shooting rubber bands, putting tacks in the teacher's chair. I'm sure Teach loves hearing all this, but since he's a teacher. But we would do, we had one uh, study hall teacher. He was a biology teacher, but he, but he took care of study hall. We'd put tacks in his chair almost every day, and he never did get it. It's like, when is he ever going to learn to look first? Mr. Dyson, and he was a good guy, you know. Uh, but we, 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 we picked up that stuff. But, but they kicked God out. They kicked the Bible out. And now they don't bring tax to schools. They bring guns. And they want to blame it on guns. It's because you kicked God out, and now the God of this world is in charge in a lot of those areas. That doesn't mean he's in charge in every school. Not every school is maybe that way. But there are some where the God of this world is totally in charge. Because when you, when you reject the Word, then God's not in control in that area, and the God of this world is in control. So any time we kick the Word out, then we automatically get the devil in. Amen. Which is why we have to take the Word into as much as of our society as we can. Amen. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means where people will accept it. Not everybody's going to accept it, but, you, you know, those that do, Satan's dominion is broken. <coughs> when I got born again and started living the Word of God, Satan's dominion got broken off of my life. It did. Before then, he was in control. But once I got a hold of the Word, He's not in control any longer. And, but you know what? Even as a Christian, areas where we don't live by the Word, He has an access to our life in that area. I don't care if you are a believer. He will get in that door. He's looking for... How many know He's just looking for ways to get in? Remember, remember, remember when he, he, what He said about Job to God? He said, Has thou not made a hedge about him? about his house, about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and so forth. What does that tell you? Here's what it tells, tells me. <coughs> He's been inspecting. He's been looking for ways to get in. And it's the same way today. If I reject the word in some area, well then, you know, the devil's 
He's going to get in in that area. Can you say amen to that? Now, so we're just talking about the spirit of the world. How many know the the Bible tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Be not conformed to this world or value what it values. But you know, the, the, the only thing you have to do to get conformed to the world is just don't do anything and you'll automatically be conformed. We are seeing that, man, happen in our society today. Amen? I mean, think about it. Some people that realized certain things were wrong 20 years ago now have accepted it. How'd that happen? They got conformed to the world because they didn't do anything with their mind. They didn't put the word in their mind. And see, you know, now we're being pushed at like everybody's going to have to accept this because the government says so. And I got a word for them. There are some of us that are never, never going to accept it. You might as well stop wasting your energy. It's just not going to happen because Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. And we live by His word, not your word. You can make any kind of law you want to. It's just not going to happen. Never. I'm going to stick with the word. Amen. Because I already saw heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will abide forever. I'm going to be with those that abide forever. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a sure foundation under my feet. Amen. First John chapter 2, go there. Come on, are you getting anything today? First John chapter 2. I'm going to look at maybe this in another scripture too, and we'll be done today. First John chapter 2. Amen. First John chapter 2. What happens when we allow the devil in, the God of this world? See, what happens? The Bible says he blinds your mind. You know, and the Bible even tells us, it talks about this, that if you keep pushing that, you keep pushing the immorality, you keep pushing those things, what happens in Romans, it says your mind becomes reprobate. You ever heard that term? What does reprobate mean? It means void of judgment. Have you ever seen such decisions made by leaders right now and you're thinking, they have no judgment at all. They're void. There's nothing, there's nothing at home upstairs. That's not a criticism. It's just a fact of reality that they have entered into the place of a reprobate mind. Amen. I, <laughs> Our nation is like, what, $22 trillion in debt? And they want to raise the debt ceiling? And they want to spend more money? Has anybody ever spent their way out of debt yet? No. When you're in debt, what do you got to do? You got to do two things. One of two things. You got to make more money. You got to spend less. Isn't that right? Or just spend less and let it catch back up. So how could we have politicians that are making decisions to go deeper in debt when they say we got a debt problem? Charles Capps once said, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Quit it. Amen. Just quit it. Just stop. Well, yeah, we're going to have to get rid of this program and that program. Uh, well, yes. If you're, if you're financially in a mess, you may have to get rid of the cable TV, but you'll live. Well, that's just cruel and unusual punishment. Get over it, baby. Amen. You would not believe some of the things our government spends money for. It's ridiculous. Amen. I don't need you spending 40, four, four million, $40 million on finding out why, why the, the Titsi fly dies. I don't care. If he gets in my house, I'll tell you how he's going to die. I'm going to swat him. Just reprobate minds. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, did you find John, 1 John? Amen. We've been all over the place. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says, Love not the world. Y'all hear that? Yeah. Neither the things that are in the world. 
Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean like used to be taught. I, you know, used to hear this saying, and everybody thought it was spiritual. I don't want any of this old world's goods. Well, all right, I'll take your car, your house, your clothes, everything you have. Those are world goods. Now, when the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things of the world, it's telling you don't put those, the pursuit of them before God. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you cannot serve God in mammon. For either you, no man can serve two masters, for either he'll love one, hate the other, despise one, you know, and not the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, we've always thought mammon was money, and it is money, but it's not just money, money. <laughs> okay, since that confused you, I'll explain it. Here, here is what mammon is. Like what Jesus said in Matthew 6, you cannot serve God and mammon. It's, listen, this is, this is what it is. I, I, had, I typed it out. Wealth that has an evil influence or is a false object of worship and devotion. In other words, you're putting too much emphasis on money. It's over and undue emphasis on money, which I said. Listen to this now. It's the pursuit of worldly things. It's the pursuit of worldly things. Listen, pleasures and earthly pursuits that we put ahead of pursuing God. So anything you put ahead of pursuing God, Jesus called it mammon. Well, my gosh, that can be baseball. <laughs> Boy, it's so you get such amens and such smiling. When you preach on stuff like this, you know what I'm saying? It's like, could you get back to preaching on the blessings of God? Well, you know, this has a lot to do with the blessings of God. It really does. Godliness is profitable in all things, the Bible says. In the world now and the one to come. So right now it'll profit you. Amen. Uh, so mammon... Jesus said you can't pursue. God's got to be our number one pursuit. And we can't just mouth it. How many know we got to live it? Right? You can say that, but does your actions prove that? Amen. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty plain, isn't it? For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. This world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abideth forever. Hallelujah. So when we're talking about, when John's talking about the love not the things of the world, <clears throat> he's talking about don't, don't, well, number one, don't love the worldly things that are against the word. And don't pursue natural pursuits more than you do God. You could pursue your career more than you do God. I don't have time for church. I'm busy pursuing my career. Well, your career is your God. I'm amazed that people don't have enough time to take two, two, two to four hours a week to spend in God's house because we're just too busy pursuing stuff. That's loving the world. The Bible said the love of the Father is not in you. It didn't say you weren't saved, but it says... You don't love the Father if you're doing that. I mean, if you love Father, you're going to pursue Him. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> well, this is good preaching. Go to Timothy. I'm looking at some scriptures this morning. Is this all right? Yeah. Go to 2 Timothy chapter... Um, now, it might be a little intense, but these are real serious subjects, you know, especially for our time, you know. It's right. so like you said, you know, years ago, I went around, preached on the blessings of God, preached on our inheritance, but now... You had to come off the fence of doing that and start preaching on how to live right. You know, back in our days, we were taught. We, we just, you know, we, we knew that. And, uh, but boy, today, so many different things are taught from the pulpits that you've got to, you never know what people heard. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 9, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, do your diligence to come shortly unto me. Notice this, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, to me, that is one of the saddest scriptures in all the Word of God. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Do you know who the Apostle Paul was and is? He's the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
He's the man that outside of Jesus was the greatest apostle that lived. Now, he said he was the least of all the apostles, but you go on and read. He said, I've worked more than they are, all of them, all of them. He said, not me, but the grace of God in me. He had more grace on him than any apostle. I'm talking about Peter and the rest of them. Paul had more grace on him. Paul's got more, Paul's got more letters in this Bible than Peter does. I'm not knocking Peter. I'm just showing you the stature of this man. He, outside of Jesus, amen, he, he literally was the greatest believer that we know anything about. And Demas is a part of his ministry. And he leaves because he loved the present world. In other words, I can't do some of the things I want to do and hang with Paul. I can't pursue some of the worldly things I want. I don't know what Demas wanted, but brother, he sure sold his... He's like Esau who sold his birthright for one morsel of food. He sold out. Think about that. Could, could you imagine, man? I ain't got time for you, Paul. I'm going to chase the world. Man, I'll tell you what. I don't, there was a day Demas regretted that decision. Whether it was in this life or when he went on, there was a day he... I'm not saying he went to hell. I'm just saying he made a real bad decision. See, the world, if you pursue the things of the world, it'll get you out of God's plan for your life. It will remove you from it. It'll get you out of God's best for your life. A lot of times... Maybe to your flesh it feels like, I'm being denied. No. Remember, we talked about all God's commandments are guardrails. They're there to protect you, not put you in bondage. Amen. <laughs> you know, that, even your parents, when they were bringing you up, some of the things they said, they were for your protection. You know, we counted them as bondage, but they were for protection. As you get older, you know what I'm saying, once you get to be older, you start realizing, you start acting like your parents. Well, sort of. But you get some wisdom, right? You know, like Mark Twain said, you know, Mark Twain said when he was 14, that he called him his old man, his dad. He said, my old man was one of the, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but basically he said, my old man was, was the dumbest person on, in the earth when I was 14. He said, when I became 21, it's amazing how much my old man had learned in seven years. You know, when you start paying for your own stuff, you start flipping the lights off, right? You quit having the... Now, cars won't even do this today, but I grew up in the era of muscle cars, and I wish I'd have kept some of them, or bought some of them, I should say. I never had any of them. I didn't have the money to buy them. But I look back now, I was watching this one car. It sold at the Meekum Auction for 300, it was, a, it was a Mustang. I bought a brand new Mustang, Mark, for $4,000. And it was a Mustang, a Shelby, and it, the cost of it, when it was in 72, I think it was, was $4,000. It sold for $350,000. I thought, man, I should have bought a few of them. But you know, $4,000 back in 72 was like $350,000. My parents bought their house in 1966 for 6000 some odd dollars. Lived there for years and years and years. Of course, they added on to it, but they didn't pay much for it. Phyllis' first house she bought, a brand new house, $22,000. I think they cost a little more than that today, don't they? Yeah. All right. So Demas hath forsaken me. Well, he loved the present world. Amen. Now, uh, I, I, James said it this way. I want you to find, go find Galatians 6. We're closing right here. Did you get something out of this today? James called, James spoke really plain. I don't, I, you know, the Bible, the book of James, you know, sometimes people think I speak a little plain sometimes. I'm not, not near as much as some people do. I baby you too much. My wife even says that. That I should be meaner on you. Well, she didn't say that. <laughs> but James, now listen, how many know the book of James was written by who? <laughs> you guys are really swift. It was written by James. <laughs> I, love, I love having really 
really, you know, well-versed believers in my church. I didn't call you mean. I said, you said I should be meaner, but you really didn't say that. You just said I, I was too, too nice sometimes, too easy. Uh, but listen, uh, James, really what I want to say to you, James was Jesus' half-brother, wasn't he? He lived in a household with Jesus. But I'm telling you what, when he was writing the book of James, he spoke really straight. He said, you adulterers and you adulteresses. What do you think if I got up and started out the sermon that way today? You adulterers and you adulteresses. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity or hostility against God? Whoever loves the world is not a friend of God. I don't know what these people were doing, but he blasted them. He let them know. You guys are in, you guys are in hostility against God the way you're living your lives. Well, I certainly don't want to be there, do you? No. Now, in Galatians, as we close out, I hope you got something out of this today. Galatians chapter 6. Let me find it. Galatians chapter 6. And look at verse 14. Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. One of the things that new believers should be taught is the world's been crucified to you now. It's dead to you. And you're dead to it. Paul could have said it this way. I'm not, the world's not fit for me, and I'm not fit for the world. When I got saved, I'm not saying, you know, this isn't, I'm not saying I've arrived, <laughs> but <laughs> no ways near. But when I got saved, I let the cross do its work in me. It changed me. No longer was the world appealing to me any longer. I mean, it, I lost all appeal for the world. Some things maybe think I might maybe I maybe you might think I went a little too radical in, but I, I just didn't have any appeal for the world any longer. It just didn't appeal to me any longer. It just did not appeal to me. Uh, you know, it, uh, listen, it didn't appeal to me. And, and I'm telling you what, I wasn't fit for it either because if I went in there with, with all the Word and God on me, they didn't want anything to do with me either. Amen. And I've told you this story many times, but if you live strong enough for God, I'm telling you what, I am telling you what, you won't have much problems with the devil or with his people. I'm not saying you won't have to deal with him, but I'm saying you'll walk in victory. If you just live hot for God, when I, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I ran with the wrong crowd. I ran with the, the drug crowd. I ran with the drinking crowd. I ran with the fighting crowd. I ran with, you know, that, that crowd. And, and, you know, it wasn't nothing for fights to break out and things like that at parties and stuff like that. Wasn't nothing. But I'm going to tell you, the person that intimidated me most in high school was not any of those guys. I was one of those guys. They didn't intimidate me. Because I had enough friends. If you whip me, I got enough friends behind me. You have to whip the rest of them. And so they didn't intimidate me. But I'm going to tell you who intimidated me. Everybody remember this name. His name was Lonnie. Lonnie was in your class. Maybe. Oh, year older. Lonnie was a year older than you. Which he's a year older than me, by the way. Um, but he, Pastor Chuck and I went to the same high school, you know. So Lonnie was a year older than you. And I, I'm not kidding you. If I was walking down the hall, and Lonnie, and let me tell you about Lonnie. Lonnie was a I love Jesus believer. I don't know if he ever witnessed to you. Yeah, yeah. Probably everybody in the high school. And Lonnie, Lonnie was a I love Jesus and I'm in your face about Jesus. And Lonnie was kind of big, if I remember right. He was big. He was a basketball player. Yeah. And Lonnie, and, and if I'd see Lonnie coming down the hallway, and I'm walking down the hallway, and I, I maybe had him head, I look up and see Lonnie. Oh, I'm going over here. He intimidated me more than anybody. You know why? Because I knew he had the power of God in his life. And that, that power intimidates you. A minister I know, this is my final story. A minister I know of... 
he said, you know, he said, I got pulled over by a state trooper for speeding. You know, they'll still, they'll pull preachers over even. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> then you give them a little scripture. Gee, who drove furiously? The king's business requires haste. They don't care. <laughs> it's like one minister acquaintance of mine one time, he got pulled over and he had his Bible in the front seat of his van. And this state trooper pulls him over and says, what's that in the front? Because he was speeding, you know. What's that in the front seat of your van? He said, it's my Bible. Oh, really? He said, you ever read it? You ever read in Romans 13 where it says to obey the authorities of the land? This, this state trooper was a Baptist deacon. But anyway, what, was, what story was I on before I told the other story, my final story? Oh, yes, thank you. This man, thank you. This minister, he said, he got pulled over by this state trooper, you know. And he said, you know how you feel in those times? They're outside your window, you know. And he said, you know, you feel about that small. And he said, I was guilty, you know. Took it graciously. Give me the, t- give me the ticket. He said, then all of a sudden I started sharing the gospel with him. And he said, I noticed that all of a sudden I got great big and he started to shrink. Why is that? Because the gospel's the power of God. Lonnie had the power of God working in his life. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it intimidated me. And I wanted to be as far away from Lonnie as I could get. Amen. Now, I want to be like Lonnie. (laughs) Amen. And have that much boldness and that much love for Jesus. They're right in the middle of a crooked, perverse generation. He was so strong and preached the word. Amen. Thank God for his word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit myoasischurch.com. Thanks for listening.